Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, beloved. Welcome. Come on in to another edition of Revolutionary Food called Food Secrets and Come back home to Africa. Come back home 
and of course StreamYard and several other platforms. We want to, as we always do, start by acknowledging the ancestors upon which we have our very standing, our very being in this present moment in time space. We think of the ancestors as indeed being old and ancient and before us and the the cobblestone, the, the pathway now in which we sort of walk into our destiny. But we understand that the ancestors, the Egu, are also present with us at every moment in our existence. They stand up in our DNA. They stand up in the ancestral memory that exists and is transported through our blood. So we not only give respect to those who've gone before, but we give respect to those who are ever living, ever present, ever true, ever sure in showing up with us and for us in all of our earthly endeavors. We also acknowledge the king of the white cloth, Obatala, on this present day in the ritual time cycle, time uh, calendar of things. We acknowledge the head and always being clear and concise and right and true as it relates to our head. In, in any endeavors, for indeed, without your head, the Orisha can't help you. The Loa can't help you. The Voodoo can't help you if your head is not open, clear, clean, receptive. We also understand now it's Iyami. Iyami, that great, mighty power of women, said to be so great, much more powerful than women. It's often uh, mistranslated as, as witchcraft, but indeed the ability to create and procreate and to push a baby out of the, out of the womb and to bring life into existence is not witchcraft, but divine magic. Divine magic. And it's indeed the inheritance of the great and divine mothers. We also acknowledge Babalu Oye Omolu, and particularly in this season, in this present time of calamity and, and disease and, and infectious uh, uh, demonic gin that's on the prowl. And, and if you don't understand, if you're not paying attention to the news, if you haven't counted the numbers, this gin don't like black people. This virus don't like black people. Take this seriously, beloved. Take this seriously. Stay your black ass home. Stay your ass home. Stay in the house. It's not necessary to keep running out. It's not necessary to keep running to the store. I know some of you are stir crazy at this point. Some of you are bored at this point. Some of you just need something to do. Get some exercise. Indeed, there's no harm in, in being outdoors. Outdoors. But not around people, places, and things. Not in an environment in which you can contact and indeed continue to, sp- to spread this virus if you are asymptomatic. Some of us, some of us are asymptomatic. We, we don't hope, know who those people are. There are no antibody tests being administered right now to determine who those people are, even those who've already had COVID. We don't know still scientifically to what degree they have the ability to transport this disease or to read capture this disease and have another blow up of this disease. So be careful, be true, be smart, be righteous and all that good stuff, but be holistic and healthy and faithful and, and believing, but stay home. 
almost everybody and everything can be ordered, can be delivered. You know, get someone in your community. There are organizations who are assisting to go and pick up things and buy things and, and do errands for people and, and then bring that right back to your door, bring that right back to your house. There's no reason to be exposed. Be exposed. Pay attention. Pay attention. Some of y'all still don't understand fat meat. It's greasy. Some of you still don't believe. And I'm unfortunately seeing um, some tragic numbers coming out of Africa in terms of the results that this is having on women. And not just in the, in the case of women capturing or being exposed to, to the virus, but also domestic violence. People being locked down now, being trapped to some degree, being limited in their mobility. And if you have your freedom and if your home life is healthy, you might not understand this. But if your home life is not healthy, you might feel trapped. You might feel bound. You might feel limited in your ability to breathe, in your ability to express yourself right now, in your ability to do the things spiritually that you might need to do. Some of you are living in an existing environment where you can't, Acknowledge no ancestral shrine. You can't acknowledge no ancestral altar. You, you can't do anything particularly healthy or, or, or hoodoo right now, you know, because of the confines in which some of us are finding ourselves in. So, again, this is a time for us to really look at and examine what's real about us, what's authentic about us, what's true about us, what's meaningful about us, and what's enduring about us. If I were to pull a tarot card right now, it would be the Ace of Swords. It would be the Ace of Swords. Be oriented in self-care. Be oriented in self-preservation. But be willing to cut the ties, cut the cords, cut those entanglements, cut, cut those binds that no longer serve you, that no longer meet your needs, that no longer resonate or vibrate in line with your destiny, with your journey. Now, I know that that might be real figurative right now because literally some people can't move. Depending on where you are in the country, you're limited in your movement. And even if you aren't limited in your movement, you're limited in what's available in terms of resources. Know that there is a food shortage coming. I'm speaking to you who don't listen to the news. I'm speaking to you who does not read the media. I'm speaking to you who aren't in all Africa every day or the BBC every day or looking at what's going on in other parts of the world every day. And not just other parts of the world, but right here. Now, if you're internet savvy and, and you've been shopping and, and, and buying your produce and your food and your dairy products and your meat online, then you know what I'm talking about. You know that not more than a week or so ago, eight days or so ago, you couldn't get any milk at all. You couldn't get any cheese at all. You couldn't get any bacon or any meat at all. So there's a food shortage coming. And, and the signs are what's happening right now with large companies and food producers like Tyson Food, for instance, where the numbers of people that are now getting sick or infected. My theory is, you know, this thing sort of blew up. All of a sudden, everyone was caught off guard. No one knew exactly what was happening. Um, and so people rushed in to work. 
and, and these producers did seek to call in every hand on deck to uh, provide. And so in, in, in the course of that environment, and particularly when we look at Easter, Easter weekend, leading up to Easter, and just that short time after, um, people got infected with this virus. So now they're seeing large numbers of people who can't come to work, who can't keep these, these facilities rolling. And so it is being predicted, people who watch the markets and all that kind of boring stuff, you know, we know, we, we see it coming, it's been predicted that there will be a food shortage. So if you haven't stocked your freezer, if you haven't stocked your deep freeze, if you haven't stocked up on your, on your whole grains and your dried beans and legumes and, and rice, you know, do what you can. I'm not trying to incite panic. I'm not trying to incite fear, but do what you can. You know, we may be hitting a, 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 a roadblock in terms of our food supply. Um, Arisha, beloved, I, I see you. Someone knows what I'm talking about. Somebody's paying attention. I, I just got milk. I just got butter, you know, and, and just enough so I could have some and then freeze some just for this moment that's coming. And it's predict, predicted to happen right about mid-May, you know, right about mid-May. Um, and, and many cities are talking about, our city and state is talking about lifting, you know, the stay-at-home uh, May 15th. But I don't, I don't think so. I think we'll, it'll be a very cautious move forward. So we must in all things. Greetings, um, Daryl Martin. Greetings, greetings, beloved. Greetings, Ifa, Ifa Labime, Egbi, Wole. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much. Alafia, say that I mean. Alafia, thank you so much for being present. We must do all we can in the real world, in the natural world, but we must also do all we can in, in the spirit world to be prepared, not just for this particular weather, this particular event, but for events to come. And, and indeed, life, those who are in the best scenarios, those who are walking in, in balance and operating and living and existing in their truth. Again, to some degree, we're, we're already prepared, already had some sense that something was coming, if not this particular event itself. But this is a wake-up call for everyone. This is a wake-up call for the entire planet, and particularly in the West. We, we sit back and watch things like Ebola and, and whatnot devastate other regions of the world. Um, uh, 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 yellow fever and, and polio and things that we believe we've eradicated in the West that that show up again in other parts of the world. And, and we see it in the news. Those of us who pay attention to the news, you know, those who don't believe these things are gone, believe these things are innocuous, innocuous think these things aren't that big of a deal. Um, I have some friends who, who aren't that concerned about food shortage. Um, not that they're so trusting in, in, in the government necessarily, but they're really faithful about the system, you know, the system that we've come accustomed to. But the system we've come accustomed to doesn't exist anymore, people. <laughs> it's a new day. It's a new time. It's a new hour. And so this is that time for us to say we believe, say we're standing in something, say we, we, we recognize a truth. And many of us have chosen a team, 
if you will, have chosen a band, have chosen a chorus, you know, and you may be one of the mainstream dominated traditions, or you may not be so. You might be Rasta. You might be um, um, Hebrew Israelite. You might be Orisha. You might be Voodoo. You might claim Voodoo in Ovia. You might claim it. But today is the time to stand up in it. Today is the time to operate in it. So I, I greet you all. I'm so always honored every day that people show up at 12 noon, U.S. Central Time, to be a part of this broadcast. My phone lines are available to you at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. Greetings, Crystalline Martin. Greetings, beloved. Greetings, Sterling Miller. Greetings. And if you have a question, comment, or request at 845-277, do press the number one on your telephone keypad. This will alert me that there is a caller in the queue. I will open your audio mic and bring you into the conversation. If you are indeed in the chat with us, you can always type your uh, chat in all capital letters. I will also respond to you um, that way. Keona is our moderator, and she will help me to um, identify the questions and comments that might pass me as a chat. is always in some sort of physical motion and she'll help me to sort of identify and, and see your comments and, and questions and requests, and I will respond to them accordingly. Many of you are familiar with spirit baths and cleansing baths and sweet baths and, and the like, um, and often you're following book recipes. And the book recipes, I guess, are great um, if you don't have anything else to go on, if you don't have any other options available to you. There's always that placebo effect that anything that we believe is helpful, anything that we um, um, accept as being beneficial um, sometimes has a beneficial effect. Um, some might call that faith. Some might call that belief. Uh, but then there's that element of ritual work that is absolutely mathematical, scientific, astrology-based, um, numerology-based in how we apply a spirit bath uh, of any particular sort. Uh, and, and today in particular is the time today for your white bath, your white bath. And your white baths often involve uh, some degree of, of milk um, or, or coconut milk, uh, some other product to give it that color. Um, but then there's the herb, there's the root. There's also applied in the white bath that we utilize, particularly to target the head, cleaning, purifying, um, and then sort of setting up a layer of a, of a block that's been recharged refreshed, renewed after the white bath has been done. And sometimes that's done through applications of oil, uh, through a particular specifically designed incense or smudging product that accompanies that bath. Uh, sometimes there's a tea that might accompany that bath that might be consumed over a period of time after that bath has been uh, administered. And we often dress in white, wear white, again, to re- 
force, that reflection of light, that reflection of energy, as opposed to the darker colors that draw. You know, we learned that often as a kid. In the wintertime, we wear dark colors because they absorb light. They absorb heat, all light, all color, all heat. And in the summertime, you wear your white, you wear your lighter color clothes, your lighter fabrics because they rip away from you. And so after your spirit bath or your lave tet or your cleansing or your asianto, um, you will often be instructed to dress in white, wrap in white, robe in white. We see that symbolism in the black church. Now in the modern church, um, in all churches to some degree, but particularly the black churches, the spiritualist churches, where you had that mother's boy, where you had the nurses and the usher boy that would, that would wear that white, and it would be crisp <laughs> from the hat, you know, to the garment, you know, to, to, to the handkerchief, you know, it would be crisp. Um, and, and in the more active black churches and Baptist and spiritualist churches where you had people shout and fall out, you know, that usher board or, or that nurse unit would form that ring around you and they they would clasp hands and sort of that prayer circle around you and, and would sort of contain that energy, contain that, that power, contain that spirit. It was viewed as both powerful on the one hand, but it was also viewed symbolically as something that needed to be controlled, something that could get loose, something that could you know, lose its, its sense of uh, balance and parameter in the moment and then maybe become a problem. And we see a outer expression of that problem, with, you know, when that sister just, you know, would shout right outside that ring, you know, shout right outside her wig, you know, <laughs> you know and, and she might backhand, you know, who's, who's around her. And as a kid, even, I would look at those spirits. You know, I would say, that ain't God. I don't know what that is, but that ain't God. That, that ain't no Holy Ghost right there that they're trying to contain. <laughs> and so um, my introduction into, uh, into spirits and spiritism and, and symbolism as it relates to spiritism um, across, diverse, across diverse religious um, groups you know, or, or philosophy, but you see this this straight line of symbolic connection that has all of this, you know, meaning behind it and, and, and familiarity behind it that no one really goes into, no one really discusses. Some of you are familiar with the, um, I believe it aired on HBO. I, I could be wrong. It might have been HBO. Uh, the TV show that we filmed here in New Orleans, Cork and Dagger. And it's a, uh, a uh, oh, wow, I'm losing all the details of that, of that production right now in the moment. It's a Marvel production. Yes, it's a Marvel production. So it has that superhero element to it. And uh, Dagger uh, is this young white girl who has this power, this ability to create daggers, daggers of life. Um, and, and use them, whether it be in battle or, or in other utilitarian, you know, uh, uh, achievements. That, that's her skill. That's her superpower. And Cloak is the young black man who could cloak himself, you know, often with this, this black cape or this black fabric, 
um, and disappear or time travel or relocate. So we know there's also sort of this element of cloaking, of covering up. Even if you try just, you know, pulling your blanket over your head or putting your your coat over your head, it creates a bit of a um, altered state of awareness. Even if you aren't particularly trying to be spiritual at, at any particular moment, um, it, it muffles your hearing to some degree. It limits uh, your your range of visibility to some degree, and thus that has a automatic hormonal, chemical, biological, physical change to what happens in your body. You know, back in the day when we had the Walkman, for instance, and that, and that became a problem because people are walking around with the headphones going and, and they're not paying attention to what's around them and they get hit by cars or bumping into objects or people. And we now see that with cell phone technology. People are texting and, and, and gadgeting and and involved in their devices and aren't paying attention to, to their surroundings. And it creates sort of an organic sense, altered state of awareness um, that limits your normal range of view. But when it's also done in a constructive environment, in a religious context, we, we see nuns straight. We see Muslims straight. We see Sufis straight. We see Hindus and and, and Side food drape. And so there's a transitory, meditative, transcendental element to it when we're consciously choosing those higher octaves, those higher uh, chakra-related energy centers in which we do our work from. So indeed, you can choose to transcend space, transcend time. Go back not only into your past, your childhood, your your previous uh, uh, decades of life, you know, and recall events, recall moments in time space, in order to do healing, in order to do active work, but also to go back into past lives, future lives, uh, and then you enter prophetic space. You're now entering the realm of psychics. You're now entering the realm of remote viewers. And this is something that can be innate. It can be inherent. It can be a gift that many of your children, you know, are, are being born with, experiencing, talking about, you know, as babies and as young people. But, but it can also be something that we as adults can hone in on, can choose to tap into. And some of you are not tapping out of fear. Oh, I ain't scared of nothing. I ain't scared of nothing. But then you have that ingrained pre-programmed, religious, Western cultural, Christian-based fear about the unknown, about transcending time and space, about tapping something that might feel all caught, that might feel, you know, witchcraft-oriented, that might feel different. And and, and that's part of the the noise, the noise being the propaganda, the the miseducation, the re-education process. You know, the, the overt lies, you know, that have been placed on uh, not just African-based tradition systems, but world-based tradition um, for thousands of years in the presence of oppressive, dominant world religious traditions. And when we look at it from a symbolic language, sometimes we got to get away from the, the doctrine and the religious name and the 
language that's being used and look at just the symbolic language. This can be found in Christianity. This can be found in Islam. This can be found among Buddhism and Hinduism and ancient world traditions. This can be found among the indigenous people of the Americas, the indigenous people of Asia, the indigenous people all over the world, if we only look at symbolic language, symbolic language. Symbolic language meaning language, what we can't speak from our mouths necessarily and pass first through our intellect, but first through our eyes and our hearts and our emotions. We then see similarities. Some people see a cross. And, and, and they see Christianity. Some people see a cross and they see a Coptic symbolism. Some people see a cross and they see the crossroads. Some people see a cross and they see an ox. An ox. So it's all a matter of inner standing. It's all a matter of symbolic language. And so it's real easy to put on a look. It's real easy to mask a look. It's real easy to costume. It's really easy for us to put on literal or figurative makeup, if you will, and, and step out in the world and say, I'm representing what I believe. I'm representing what I, what I understand. But if there's no communication, there's no communication. It's just an outward symbol. And communication shows up, and not just you and I talking about it, discussing it, debating it asking questions about it. But but communication also shows up in how we structure and organize religion, how we structure and organize society. And groups of people then have a similar understanding of what the symbol is. And then a community of people have a similar link, understanding or belief about what the symbol is. And then that becomes culture. And that becomes tradition. And so once we can get that in there and, and, and understand that, we stop debating how many U's it has in it. We stop debating how many O's it has in it. We stop debating whether it's voodoo or, or not, because then we can understand that it's all voodoo. It's all voodoo. It only becomes something else when we denote it to an ethnic group, a culture, a religion, a government a principality, a nation. If it's Ifa, it's Yoruba. If it's I-S-A, Ifa, it's, it, it's Yoruba. Yoruba. Not hoodoo, not voodoo, per se. It's Yoruba specific. If it's Ebe, we say voodoo. Why is that? If it's from Togo, it's from Benin, we say voodoo. Why is that? Because many of us don't know Airway. Many of us don't know Farn. Many of us don't know the ethnic groups. Ethnic groups associated. Yoruba is common language now. It's almost as common as English. Especially among the Arisha Romance community. It's almost as common as English, or so we think. Or so we think. So now is the time to do that work, to do that study. And listen, I'm grateful. I'm humbled. I'm grateful. Almost to, to, to overt emotion, the people now who are stepping in their truth, who are doing their ancestral work and divination, who are doing their, their lineage and DNA work, 
who are doing their homework, who are attending to the shrine. Not just the new shrine, but the, but the old shrine. You know, that knocking the dust off of some of those sacred texts. Not knocking the dust off some of those sacred spaces, so-called sacred spaces. Because how sacred is it if it's got dust on it? <laughs> you know, and really realigning, reconnecting with who and what we are. I'm impressed by the people who are gardening right now and who are ordering supplies and not going out and getting supplies, but ordering supplies, you know, and, and having their dirt delivered and their uh, wood planks delivered to create, you know, garden boxes and, and, and to bring some order, you know, to their produce and, and herbal, to their airway cachet, if you will. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for those who see the positive, who see the light in where we are right now and what we're doing right now, who, who, are, who are embracing the blessing that's before us right now, before us. And listen, I'm doing something right now that's conscious. I'm doing something right now that we all can do, and that's, that's choose to see the positive, choose to embrace the blessing. Choose to embrace what's coming. Choose to, to give celebration to what's already happening that's right in our world. Because we indeed have a choice. I can sit here now. I'm not going to. But I can sit here now and enumerate everything that's not right. Everything that's not good. Everything that's not useful. Every, everything that's not helpful. I, I can enumerate that right now. And to some degree, that might be entertaining. But remember, the, the sword, the symbol of the sword, to cut away with, to do away with, to, to eliminate what's no longer useful. Doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean the problem is not tangible. But if it's not useful, then why feed it your energy? That's not the same thing as denial. That's not the same thing as denial. Because in counting the blessing, we're also attending to the resolution, the solution. So if you know there's a solution, if you know there's a resolution, if you know there's a fix, then we take joy in that. And then we focus our energy on that. When we get stuck, that's because we can't see our way out. We can't another option. And that in itself is an illusion, an illusion. I'm alarmed by the suicide numbers right now. Not just the domestic violence numbers, but the suicide numbers right now, which happen when people can't see a way out, when people can't envision an option, when people can't envision a new day. I'm going to go to my phone lines momentarily, um, Kiona and Erica 612. Give me a moment, please. Just, just 30 more seconds. That's what creates that environment. When people can't see an option, can't see a way out, don't know who to call, don't know where to look. And in my teaching, I often describe that as the blessing that's in your closet, that million dollars that's in your closet that you aren't aware of, that you don't know it's there. That inheritance that's over your head that we often can't see. And so the problem, if it can present enough of an illusion to you of no way out, no option then you, you lose out on that opportunity. I'm going to go to the phone lines. I don't want you all to wait too long. Eric code 612. 612 below. Hi. 
And where are you calling this from? This is Sterling. This is Sterling. Um, I'm calling. I'm calling from New Orleans. How y'all doing? Um, awesome. I was, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I wanted to give a testimony to this um, topic. Please. If that's all right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So recently, um, due to the coronavirus, um, I had to come back early from my study abroad trip. And, you know, I've been on a wave of, um, like, thinking positively and aiming for my goals and my desires um, frequently. And um, I recently went to London on a full-ride scholarship to study acting, and um, it was just like a wave of high vibrational energy and just being around good people that motivated me to continue to sustain a mindset of um, everything's going to be all right and we're going to get through this abundantly, you know? So, and I'm experiencing the same thing. It's just like my, um, my spirit is guiding me towards um, opportunities. And when I'm working and it's like, at first it was like, I was kind of walking in the dark a little bit, but you know, I felt I had faith I was going to get there and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting there. So, um, despite the times, despite the hectic energy around, it's like I'm uh, I'm sticking with the divinely guiding. You feel me? Yes, I appreciate that. I do. And I appreciate your mm-hmm. call. And and I invite you to stay with us. Um, I'm not going to uh, mute your, your mic, um, but if you have background noise, you can mute your own mic. And then if you have another question or comment and you want to speak again, please just, just come forward. But I want to respond to to what you just said. Um, I'm seeing evidence of that everywhere. I'm also seeing evidence of people like yourself who might feel a little awkward in the sharing of that information, the sharing of that blessing, because there are so many people around you right now who only see the negative, who maybe can't work, can't go out um, and, and, and earn the living that they, they're used to, or, or further their dreams, their desires, the way they you normally do because of the virus, and they might feel limited. Uh, we, we, feel, we hear people who are happy, who are grateful, you know, just to get their stimulus check, who are grateful just to get their food stamps, who are grateful just, to, you know, to get their unemployment. So there's also that energy out there, that spirit out there, who's only feeding off what's negative, what's negative. And so even for myself, sometimes I feel a little weird saying things are going well. I feel a little odd saying, you know, things are moving forward. Um, in my career, even though we can't film right now, but, but things are miraculously moving forward um, for me in terms mm-hmm. of acting and performance as well. Uh, I, I have some people right now who want me to film. Well, I have one person wanting me to film like three weeks ago. And, of course, I said, hell no. Um, but now they contacted me, and, and they want me to film, like, as soon as you're ready. I said, okay, well, I might be ready um, in June. You know, I might you know, The reality is we still don't really know. We still don't really understand what, what's exactly happening and, and to what extent um, some of us, if not many of us, will have to sort of hold in place. Um, so, so I'm grateful for that. I'm glad things are moving forward for you. 
um, and that you brought that to the space today um, to share with us. Ancestors be with you. Ancestors see you. Ancestors see me. Ancestors see all. I want to also respond, if you will, to Jennifer Anderson's question in the chat about what I suggest in terms of ancestry research. Uh, And my response is much the same as with, you know, questions about, well, what books should I be reading? Um, Read them all. Read everything that's available. Read everything that's um, in your reach, if you will. Um, Right and wrong, good and bad. Um, And, um, you know, you'll you'll get to your journey. You'll get to your destination. Please forgive me for being distracted. Everybody's calling, texting right now, always in the middle of the live broadcast. But um, in terms of what I've used, I've used Ancestry.com, and I've used 23andMe. Um, and not just recently. Um, I've been on Ancestry.com since 2007. Um, and I have more than just my results. I'm, I'm active on the site. I actually have a subscription on the site. So I see what's going on in Ancestry. I, I get the alerts, the email alerts. I get the updates, you know, on certain science, DNA science, lineage-based science, um, but also um, documents, birth certificates, death certificates, um, um, things that the, the government might collect, like your U.S. census. Uh, paperwork. All of that is done very well on Ancestry.com. So you not only get the DNA connections, people who are connected to you directly by by DNA, um, but also over time that document, you know, uh, what's the law um, that releases public information, public knowledge, you know, onto the market, you know, after a certain period of time, those documents then make their way onto Ancestry.com. Uh, the other service that I have personally used is 23andMe. Uh, 23andMe introduced timeline understanding in terms of ancestry. Particularly for African-Americans, we like to go back to Africa, literally, figuratively, repatriate back to Africa uh, with, with as much information and knowledge as we can because we see the disruption in our lineage, the disruption in our uh, background um, as it relates to ourselves, primarily through the middle passage. But 23andMe does a good job of capturing lineage bloodline globally. So now we're looking at back to the creation of time moving forward in terms of the timeline. So they introduced a great deal more information about Neanderthals and and, and subsequently other um, evolutions in humanity as they gained the copies or the information in order to do so. Copies is what all these sites use, and the copies have to do with how many DNA copies they have in their system that they can then um, compare that they can then compare your DNA to in order to determine your ancestral lineage. Give me a moment, please. I'm trying to respond to a text, and somehow I inadvertently hit the um, text to type, 
and my whole entire conversation is now in this text. Give me a moment, please. I am live on air. Yeah, so those are the two services that I personally am familiar with in terms of ancestry um, that I personally know. Um, I also have clients who have used other services, African ancestry, which is a little bit more expensive, but I haven't used that yet, um, so I'm not well-versed in it. Um, I'm not well-versed in its credibility or what it might specify in terms of its, its particular test, but I know it's available. I know there are other uh, free sites that are out there that are available, but in order to use them, you must have the, the math, meaning you must have taken an actual DNA lineage test, and, and then those numbers, you know, are used to help clarify not only what your race might be, race is so superficial, um, but what your ethnic background might be, uh, which, of course, is going to be cultural, uh, bloodline-based, but also geographic, you know, um, where, where your family, where your bloodline traits might be at any particular uh, place and time. So I, I support those two that I've actually used that I can vouch for. I ask people to use other services, you know, so that we can have access to them, so that we can learn um, about them. So, so I invite you, um, Jennifer Anderson, to, to try other services if you can. Um, some of those other services are a little bit more expensive, which is why I haven't tried them. Um, and I know when you think about, you know, the Oprah Winfrey's and the Louis Gates Jr.'s and people who've done these DNA tests, and, and then they're on PBS or other documentaries, they've taken much more expensive tests uh, which take out some of the work that we do in ancestor work and divination to sort of figure out what your bloodline is, what your lineage is, what the ethnic groups are that stand up in your lineage. And that's what my ancestor work and divination offers, the opportunity to get more specific work done. Um, that is not, you know, widely available. Well, it's widely available, but most people aren't willing to do the work. Just like getting a divorce. There's really no reason to, to need an attorney unless you absolutely know nothing about law, aren't willing to go to the law library and figure things out. Um, I know people, my mama, who, who, who handled her whole divorce from the, law, from the law library, you know, with her own pen and paper, you know, wrote, wrote up documents, typed up documents, however, you know, and submitted them on her own. Um, and so that's similar to looking through ancestry and, and lineage. It's a lot of work just to do a family tree. It's a lot of work. Um, so these sites offer, you know, the proverbial shortcut, if you will, to getting some of that done. But you still have to do uh, at least some minimal homework, even after you get your ancestral results back, your 23andMe results back, in order to make sense of them. And the sites themselves tell you that. Um, you know, they try and explain how to make the question, how to make, you know, sense out of your DNA results how to make sense out of your test results. But because it, because it is scientific and mathematical and, and, and technical to some degree, so it gives you an opportunity um, 
to do some of that that work. Uh, Judy Simon, thank you so much for your question, beloved. Uh, she has an ancestral altar. What and where can she reference to honor them in the most respectful way? Um, uh, Judy Simon, thank you so much. And I'm not familiar with your name, so I don't know how new of a listener you are. This is a, a question um, that I respond to a great deal um, in many forms. Um, there's a lot of books out there. Um, there are a lot of copycats and mimic books. Uh, for example, if you think about astrology or, or horoscopes, uh, there are thousands of books out there that say the exact same thing, that regurgitate the exact same information. Or they might add a little color to it and a little personality to it uh, in order to not look like plagiarism, in order to give <coughs> their own, excuse me, their own um, personal flavor to the particular book or project. There's only one scale of notes. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. There's only one scale of notes. But every individual musician, every individual singer, every individual form of music, jazz, blues, gospel, rock and roll, etc., is going to utilize and manipulate those same set of notes, just in different combinations, just, just in different mixtures. Now, if you want to be specific about ancestral officer work, then you got to be specific about who you are. So, again, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who your ancestors are, if you don't know who your parents are, which is an unfortunate condition of today, if you don't know who your grandparents are, which is an unfortunate condition of today, um, if the if if father of the child, the mother of the child, the grandparent of the child, the great-grandparent of the child ain't present, then you don't know. And so there's a whole library of information that can often be lost. And we live and exist in a time where it's so regular, to some degree, some of us don't care or don't affect us or we, or we don't see the gravity of its importance. People don't see the gravity of importance of taking a DNA test. People don't see the gravity of, of importance of having an ancestral altar, beloved so know who your ancestors are. It's real easy for us to say, oh, I acknowledge my ancestors. Oh, I acknowledge great Egypt. Oh, I acknowledge the great Mayan Empire. Or I acknowledge the great Aztec Empire. Oh, oh I acknowledge the great Zulu warriors. I, I acknowledge the great samurai warriors. But how connected are you to them really? How related to you are you really? You know, I had as a child this strong I, I want to say obsession with Japan in particular, Asia, but particularly China and Japan. And um, I love the art. I love the music. I love the symbolism. I love the fabric. I, I, I love the religion. Um, I love the theater. Um, but it was only as a grown adult and taking um, DNA background lineage ancestry that I was able to detect and become aware of any real Asian presence in my background at all. So know who your ancestors are. I offer you my ancestor work and divination instruction. I offer you to send me a private email at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com. I'm going to try to pop it in into my uh, 
chat here, or at least onto the screen. It's onto the screen for those who are also listening and, and curious. And we can be much more specific about who you are and who your people are and what ascended ancestors, what evolved ancestors um, you might need to acknowledge and then what they might desire. We're not all Yoruba. I say that every day. Great respect, E by E, to to the Yoruba people, but also to the Edway people and to the Akan people and to the Fon people and to the Hausa people, you know, to the Ka and the Va people, you know, so many other uh, families is is another way to say it, cousins that stand up in us that we don't acknowledge at all. Uh, and skipping over to Hebrew and skipping over to Kemetic and skipping over to Ethiopian, um, we deny hundreds, you know, of relatives in, in between the generations, in between us now and that particular honored ancestor there. So you want to know who they are and you want to know in what past and what traditions uh, they stand up in. Um, Judy Simon, in order to give that most appropriate um, um, recognition. Yes, yeah, so please contact me. Uh, thank you, Kiona, and um, help me to um, and 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 that will allow me to help you to sort of clarify that and, and figure that out more. Let me check my phone line. Um, oh wow, Kiona, you just hung up on me. I was just going to open your mic uh, at area code 845 But she did warn me she was going to be busy. So Keona is a little bit in and out right now. She's working two jobs at the same time. So thank you so much. Thank you, beloved. <laughs> okay, somebody's at the door. Give me a moment. Delivery. Forgive me, I should have put on some music before I got up, but now I got to bleach my hand. So you know they say cocoa water, cocoa water. I hear it at least once a day. The virus don't like soap and water, and they tell you you need to wash your hands. You know a certain a certain amount of time. But many of you know you've heard me say this already. I have a tub of, of bleach water in the sink, and that bleach is going to kill whatever. So. Dip your hands in that bleach water and then, you know, wash your hands. You may not necessarily have to be as cognizant of how long you wash your hands, particularly if you're an adult. Um, that, that bleach is going to get it. 
don't be so stressed out about availability of sanitizer when bleach can be bought in large quantities. Please forgive the slight interruption. I had a package delivery at the door, but I am with you now. I'm available at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. I'm also available, of course, here in our live stream yard uh, chat. I invite you to join me. Join me. Um, you can come on screen. Keon, I don't know what's going on with that. Um I don't know if, if, if it's just no one is dressed and prepared um, and feel like they have a cute enough background <laughs> in, in order to come on screen with us or if I'm just not doing what's necessary to make that happen. Um, the link is in the chat. I, I just assume that if you are in the chat that if you want to join the conversation that you can. Um, but the, I just input the link again, so maybe you need the link. But I invite anyone, if you are ready with your question, comment, or request, um, come on with it and become a part of the show. Kimberly McTall, thank you, beloved. Uh, I appreciate you, and I've been noting your comments. I just hadn't had a moment uh, to respond directly <clears throat> about your acting comments and, and – uh, you know, that energy that we both, you know, are, are concerned about. <laughs> um, let's see. Should we still honor certain ancestors who wronged your life or were not good people? Now, in, in Yoruba specific, you're making a, a distinction now because Egun, E-G-U-N-S, sort of a general term for the dead, if you will. Um, and not necessarily ancestors, um, recent dead. Um, in the case of what you're suggesting, negative dead people, people who've done some some bad things or some inappropriate things in the course of their life, um, and those would be ancestors. Those would be the dead that would be acknowledged to some degree. In that we feed the dead, we don't necessarily call their name. We don't necessarily uh, suggest in, invoking them or, or inviting them to interfere in, in, in some way in your in your life or or in your work or, or in what you're doing. But we pour libation, we present offerings to keep them in the ground. Um, Gede, Haitian voodoo has what's called Gede, and Gede are never invited. Gede are that um, unresolved energy within our our bloodlines that sort of show up unannounced, um, and they represent problem, problematic energy that can be, should be fixed, resolved, repaired in some way. Um, and so, no, we, we pour libation. We offer food on, and, and offering on the ground to sort of satiate the spirit and keep that spirit quiet and moving on to fix, repair, renewal. I mean, the spirit realm. When we start talking about um, acknowledgement of ancestors, we're typically talking about people who did well or did great things in, in their living life and then go on, contract to go on with, with 
the Most High in spirit to assist those who are still living. Everybody who, who dies, every get get ego, every ego, if not um, contracted to help the living, it's not automatically required to assist the living. You know, every dead person doesn't want to. Every dead person cannot. Um, some souls have to be healed. Some souls have to be repaired. Some souls have to go through a, a transition and don't have anything to offer you um, in death any more than they have to offer you in life. So we wish those spirits well. The, the Catholics, I, I believe, sort of call that, that purgatory. Um, 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 Mormons also acknowledge sort of this transitory spirit, spiritual tra- uh, period where we, we pass on into the next um, realm of existence, but some are still sick or, or broken or, or, or need adjustment. So we send prayers and offerings and, and thanksgiving to sort of send them on their way. Uh, to some degree, that's what the celebration of the dead in Mexico um, is all about. The day of the dead, um, all souls, all saints, you know, placating those those saints that are evolved, but also placating those souls that might just need peace. We say rest in peace. We say grandma might be turning over in her grave. You know, we we, we say and use these languages and terminologies that um, in Western culture suggest an awareness of the realm beyond, but that we don't necessarily ritually say that out loud for these HDR or ritualistic uh, based traditional systems. Uh, greetings on Neophyte Bokor. Uh, you're on screen with us. I love it. I don't know how you're doing it, but I'm I'm loving it. The fact that you're driving <laughs> and you're on the screen with us at the same time. Well, we appreciate you. Um, I'm a little nervous. I want you to be safe. <laughs> What's your question or comment, love? Well, yeah, that, yeah, well, that that has been um, suggested. I don't know if you can turn your volume down a little bit, but my my voice keeps coming back. Yeah, um, yeah, that has been suggested as a. out, you know, in order to sort of maintain a certain level of food security. And they have mentioned it and they have suggested that, um, oh, wow, I don't know what's going on right now. Everything is buffering. 
Okay, I don't know what happened, but um, I'm assuming everything is okay. Carolyn, let, let me know if there's something weird going on, because we had a momentary glitch right there just for a moment, and, and Neophyte Bokur is gone. I don't know if he turned off his camera or, or what happened with that. But, um, yeah, I'm familiar with what you're suggesting, beloved, um, and I would rather you call in than try and type and drive at the same time. Um, but, yeah, I've heard about rationing. I've heard about um, the notion that we, we absolutely have some reserves um, here in America, but a limited amount of reserves. I, I, I hope that you had remained with me. I wanted to ask you to what degree um, you've seen that in motion um, in terms of timing. Um, right now, over the course of the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, I would be very curious. Because, you know, there was that, that moment in time space when there was no toilet paper on the shelves or in the store. Um, and, and I know it's also been suggested, um, okay, Neophyte Bokur is out, in the, is out in, the, um, in the desert, so he might be having connection issues in the desert. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I know that there was a um, – oh, I know that there was a moment where there was no toilet paper anywhere to be had. So I'm curious about your opinion when you can get connectivity again about that in terms of the pipeline and and what you're seeing on your end. Was there indeed um, a lack of supply or is it a lack of uh, manpower? What we're seeing in relation to the uh, predicted food shortage is a lack of manpower. Um, Tyson's Foods and some other major uh, manufacturers, uh, producers of our food are not necessarily saying they don't have enough meat or enough chicken, but people are getting sick and, and, and large uh, numbers of, of their employee base who would otherwise keep
Okay, my apologies, um, Sterling and all my other callers. Sterling, you should have let me know that I had gotten booted on Block Talk Radio. I would have fixed, come in and fixed sooner. Um, so give me a quick second, y'all. I'm going to go check this brand. I did better than that. Um, I actually picked them up while since I made the trip um, and, and brought them back with me. So it wasn't Scott. Scott is what I use normally, Neophyte Bocour. And so if you go on to, and of course I live in Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana. So if you uh, use Instacart, for instance, Instacart, so I can access Target, Winn-Dixie, Ralph is just through Instacart. Um, I checked Amazon, and the only thing that was available on Amazon came from Asia. And, and that's this here. Now, this might look like normal size toilet paper on camera, particularly as I'm looking at it now. But it is nothing in comparison to a, a normal, average American roll of toilet paper. And particularly if you're used to, you know, the double rolls, the, the mega rolls, you know, this is this is pretty pretty small. And I'm not sure where exactly it's from. Bangladesh, Thailand, it's got some kind of language on it other than, you know, what I'm accustomed to seeing. It's not Japanese. It's not entirely um, anything that I'm used to seeing. Now, the other brand was not Scott. Scott is out. When you look for Scott on Walmart, on Target, on Rouse's, on um, Whole Foods, um, on Jet.com, which is usually where I shop, J-E-T.com, Jet.com, nobody has Scott. Now, every now and then you find certain brands in the store, and they say come in and get them at the store. But you're risking your life going into the store, particularly if you're over 50 or, or, or younger than 25, you know, because children, infants, old people are getting sick and dying from this. People in their 20s and their 30s are getting sick and dying from this. So you're putting yourself at risk trying to go into the store, okay? So the people who are being safe and who are seeking things through order, you know, we're finding out first Neo Bocour, where the shorts are, where where the lack in in supplies are. So that other brand besides Angelsoft was Cottonelle, and of course these are, these are not commercials. I'm just trying to explain my coronavirus experience, okay? And they too only had available these mega rolls. Now you again, you've been seeing the Angelsoft commercials and then Cottonelle. This is all they're, they're producing really right now are these shoes. And they're bigger than the usual mega rolls. They're, they're 
coronavirus may grow. So they're anticipating people now getting toilet paper who could not three weeks ago, but also this presumed, you know, prophesied shortage um, that they say might be coming in in the first part of May. So I I, I agree with you to some extent, Neophyte Bokor. I also appreciate, you know, I, I like people who don't necessarily agree with me or see things from, uh, you know, another perspective. I think that makes for a better show. Um, so, so you don't have to agree with me, um, and I'm not saying that you're wrong uh, in your perception, uh, but I think there's so many ways to look at it. Oh, Keona, uh-uh. That Chinese roll, that's going to last you like one day. Okay. <laughs> like one day. I mean, they're really small. Um, when I post a picture later on, because um, I hadn't figured out how to access StreamYard yet for my, my mobile device. Um, but later on, I'm going I'm to upload the picture, and, and you'll get, you'll get a, a quickie look at it. You'll see the difference. I, I took a picture and compared it to a roll of Scott and a roll of a restaurant brand of toilet paper. You know, restaurants uh, have a completely different set of brands of toilet paper that they can pull from than what consumers like at home. So it's a restaurant brand that one of my uh, best friends uh, gave me earlier on in the coronavirus shutdown. And so I have a picture comparing this Asian brand to the uh, restaurant brand and then to a a normal roll of Scott tissue. And there's no comparison. (laughs) There's no comparison at all. So, yes, I've seen Neophyte Bocor in the last eight days, nine days, many of the things that I couldn't find at all a month ago. I couldn't find milk, couldn't find uh, butter. I couldn't find bread for a while, couldn't find toilet paper for a while. And, yes, now the system is starting to regurgitate those things out. But you are suggesting to some degree that the slowdown in the process is intentional. And, and so I, I agree with you in that I've seen on the news and in the media that, yes, there will be some degree of rationing. Um, Keon, I'm opening your mic now. Um, some degree of um, paying attention, budgeting, what's available. But my concerns about a food shutdown aren't necessarily propaganda-driven but are coming from a place of someone who's done a great deal of of due diligence in in the background in terms of what information is available. Um, So, yeah, I'm just, you know, if I'm I'm wrong, y'all can call me on it May 14th, okay? But I'm getting it on tape right now. (laughs) I'm I'm getting it on video right now um, so that when it does happen, y'all can say, okay, well, the Buddha chief said it was going to be a problem. That's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> Greetings, Keona, beloved. Um, three, Hello. Three, two, three. Welcome, beloved. Come on in. I am here. I am here. I apologize, everyone, um, that I haven't been able to be full-time today, but I am back. You have my undivided attention. But I um, Nobody. was noticing that... Nobody can tell you haven't been here full time. 
You were the first one of the first people in the chat. Nobody can tell you ain't been here for five. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I noticed that um, with this pandemic that's going around, a lot of people are um, pulling. They started to do it before this, but even more so now, pulling away from the church because they're seeing part of the uh, prophecies from the magical book come to pass, and some aren't. And so a lot of people are straddling the fence. They don't know what to do. So they want to you know, peep in and see what they should do and then come out. Yeah. And I have a hard yeah. time with that because they can wear their everybody else here but their own, everybody else labels but their own. But when it comes time to really um, dive in and, and find out about their roots and they're skeptical, they say, oh, well, the DNA test is not correct or who are we to trust? Well, if you could wear somebody else's hair on your head that grew out of their scalp, then it shouldn't be hard for you to figure out about other religions. Nobody is telling you to join the study. Find out about it. Don't just sit and watch. Voodoo is not a cult. I I, I know society tries to give you that, that understanding, but voodoo is not a cult. It never has been. Voodoo does not prophesize. Prophesize. That that means go out and, and seek followers, go out to save souls, and, and seek the number of souls. You, you know, you have some religions that are counting heads now. You know, it's not about the quality of the experience. It's how many souls can we get into this, this water? How many souls can we get through the gate, you know, through the, through the door? And, and then the details of it are, are neglected. But another way to look at what you just said, Kiona, um, me and my mama, my, you know, my mama's a, uh, a devout evangelical Christian, many of you all know that, um, but she's erudite and, and, and diverse and, and willing to read and study and, and look at other things. And, and we are finding sort of this conflict where, yes, certain things are, are lining up with what the magical book says. So if you are a believer in the magical book, you know, then you see that as, as confirmation, you know, of, of, of not just uh, those prophets' ability to see certain things and then that information to make its way into that book, but, but then you also see it as confirmation of, of your religion, of, of your tradition, of, of your way of being. We look at Rastafari, for instance, um, and Rastafari in its more organic, natural, authentic demonstration. Uh, in the 1970s and seeing um, Holly Selassie come to power and seeing Holly Selassie, you know, be promoted and marketed on television and and, and news media, uh, and then the fulfillment of what appeared to be certain prophecies in the book, um, and and it's how Rastafari was sort of created. And so for them, it's it's a, a confirmation of their faith. It's a confirmation of their belief. It's a confirmation of their way of doing things. But when we step back, like I said earlier in the show, and, and just use symbolism as our language, not English, French, Spanish, Yoruba, etc., but just symbolism as our language, then we begin to see this interconnectedness throughout these belief systems just on the symbolism. Just on the symbolism. So it, it allows for some of the argument and the prejudices and, and the indoctrination, the cult-like quality to sort of fall away. 
and, and allows for the freer thinking individual, no matter what your belief is, to, to then be able to sort of connect those dots and, and, and see a, a, across the board that, okay, I might do things a little bit differently. I might have my way, my lifestyle. You know, we all do if, if we look at it from a humanistic, individualistic perspective. But if when we try and group them into, give me that book list, you know, what, what should I choose, Lukumi, or should I choose Santeria? You know, I get those questions, by the way. Should I be choosing Ifa or should I be choosing Buddha? You know, and with me, it's all the same. I've said that a hundred times. It's all the same. What separates it is individuality. Where were you born? Where were your parents born? Who are you really? You know, it's really a continuation of our journey to find self, to find self, not our journey to find the right path. Or, or the right religion, or, or the right tradition that's going to feed me to my man or my woman, that's going to feed me to, you know, my million-dollar lottery ticket, you know, or, or my great opportunity to fame and fortune, which is how many people find their way, you know, to these to traditions. Somebody have a question? Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Oh, I was just about to ask one. Oh, um, I wanted to say that um, how do you figure out, say that if you don't really know who your your bloodline like that, how do you find out? Um, do you do it through, through divination or is there um, another way to go about it? It has been done traditionally through divination. Now, I, I describe it as if you were born in your most appropriate, most perfected scenario, you would be where you're supposed to be. And so, therefore, you would know who your ancestors are. You would know both sides of your blood lineage. Whether we're talking about Inca, Mayan, Aztec, you know, Hausa, you would know your, your lineage. You would know your village deities. You would know those powers. For many of us, listening in this audience, we've either come directly through the middle passage or now a result of the middle passage and in our existing now in this quote-unquote new world. And so therefore for us, mixed race, African-American, most African-Americans are mixed race, by the way, uh, we now have to figure out lineage. We now have to figure out ancestral uh, determination. So yes, we use Divination, it, it has been used in all the systems, Lukumi, Santeria, Palo, Voodoo, over the decades. And I say decades because this is relatively new in the U.S. We could go back to maybe the 50s, okay, to where this is now being introduced in the American, American population. It was introduced a great deal sooner in Cuba, Puerto Rico, uh, Brazil, Okay, so there's that element. But now we have technology, Sterling. Now we have technology to sort of back up geographic location in any particular time or place um, as it relates to your specific bloodline. So I use that along with divination, along with some formulas, mathematical formulas that I've come up with on my own. That, that's what separates my house from other houses that help you to sort of clarify 
that ethnic work without having to do all the footwork on the ground, without having to read a whole bunch of archives and 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 take a much more expensive DNA test and, and get much more detailed numbers about, you know, where your people were or are at any given time. Um, I've already done that work in trying to find those answers for myself and for other people, and I refined a system, if you will, that I use, particularly in my ministry and in my house, that helps us to sort of clarify that. So, so if you're not necessarily particularly Yoruba, for instance, you might be more kind, and so we point you in that direction. Your people might be, you know, from more quote-unquote voodoo-oriented, specific geographical locations. And so we take the time to explore that. But we also explore, you know, that indigenous part, voodoo occultism, uh, one of our regular um, active participants is often um, asking about that, questioning about that aspect um, of his bloodline and our bloodline. What is indigenous in us? And so without that DNA examination, it's hard to clarify that thoroughly. It's hard to make sense of that mm-hmm. without that that uh, that DNA information. Um, going off of that, so I know that there is a um, like conspiracy regarding Ancestry.com, like harboring DNA and um, using it for you know diabolic purposes. Um, so, but you said that. Um, you used it for seven years, and um, you felt like it was very beneficial, and you were able to track down your lineage. You're talking about DNA? Yes. No, no, I didn't say seven No, I didn't say seven years. I started using Ancestry.com in 2007. Oh, okay. So it's been mm-hmm. way more than seven years um, that I've been, been utilizing sites. I probably started using um, 23andMe in 2009, 2005. So, um, yeah, it, it's been some time since I've been using both sites. And, of course, mm-hmm. you can, you know, get into those sites. And, and just like, you know, getting a new box in the mail, you, you can open it up and read the brochure and read the details and read the fine print, and, and that's what many people do. And depending on your level of aptitude in, with that information, it, it can be confusing. It can be hard to navigate. Um, some people just don't have the time or energy or the will to figure that out. I've taken the time to sort of do that. I've also had the time to compare my test, my mother's test, uh, my, my baby sister's test, um, and, and, of course, many of my godchildren's tests um, in the interim. And that has given me and us a greater deal of uh, reference to pull from in terms of how to use these tests and, and how to operate with them. Of course, I've had time to compare Ancestry.com to 23andMe. And, yeah, there are some clear, distinct differences in what's available on these platforms. So I often get, you know, the question, well, which test is better? Well, there is no better. There's what's most appropriate to what you need, what's most appropriate to what you're trying to figure out. 
And at different stages of your process, you're looking for different information. Uh, when you first start out, you might not know what it is that you need, what it is that you're looking for. You, you just want to connect you back to the past. And so you start where you are. And then you get in there and you and you do clarify some things. You do gain a different degree of understanding. And so now you want to try, you know, maybe a new test. Maybe you now can afford um, some of the more complex tests. And that's what led me to 23andMe. 23andMe also grew in popularity um, in, in a relatively quick amount of time. So I wanted to be present on 23andMe. So um, those are just the, the sites that I use now, that I've tried now. And, and as I said before, there are, there are other tests, more modern tests. Um, some of them are more expensive tests that also help you to do some of the work that I've, you know, sort of learned to do by hand um, in, in the interim that I've been using just to Ancestry.com in, in the 23andMe. So have it done. Um, contact me about having your ancestor working divination done. I know I got an email from you. I, I can't recall right now without actually looking at it, um, quite the nature of it. But you, you might want to have that done. And again, have the uh, ancestor working divination done with me off air, and I can help you to sort of clarify that to a, uh, to a greater greater degree. Now I want to respond to Neophyte Bokur and um, Kiona. Again, it has been said that food would be rationed to some degree, to some degree. But when you say you're, you're seeing warehouses are full, warehouses are full of what exactly? Of what exactly? Because your toilet paper and your paper product is going to be handled differently, and it's going to come from different regions of the country, and in some cases other countries as compared to where your meat is coming from or where your produce is coming from, or, or where your dried beans, for instance, are coming from. I also mentioned flour, baking products. That's different altogether um, in, in terms of who's supplying that, where that's being warehoused, and how that's being supplied and delivered. So I, I see y'all throwing out information, and, and I too am throwing out information, okay, but but I look at more than one source, not just the news. I'm also looking at the employees. I'm also looking at the type of stock. Somebody mentioned stock, you know, and, and where that particular product is coming from and how it's then dispensed to the community. So, so to say I see full warehouses, where, full warehouses of what and where exactly. And so that you know, coffee, coffee comes specifically through Louisiana, specifically through Louisiana warehouses. And so far, you're not seeing any shortage of, of coffee at all. And so, yeah, Maxwell House is available. Bozes may or may not be available, depending on how many truckers are on the road, but also how many people are well enough to work these warehouses. Remember, the breakdown of Tyson Foods specifically is about too many employees being too sick 
to come in and cut up chicken. Remember, your president shut down immigration, shut down the mobility of our our uh, Mexican, for example, field workers, chicken cut cutting employees. So they're now now not available to chop up your chicken, to section off you know uh, your meat and your sausage and your hot dogs. So there are no employees there to service that. So yeah, they're going to turn you down, Neophyte Bokur, because you're a trucker. They're going to tell you, no, we we don't need you right now because we don't have anybody to package to box what's in the warehouse or, or, or to clarify and organize what's in the warehouse. So so I'm not in disagreement with what either of you are saying. I'm asking you to come with some information. I'm asking you to come with some more facts. Um, greetings, beloved. I'm asking you to, to give me some more detail about what it is you're looking at. I knew I was being called to pursue voodoo, Kimberly McTall. Um, one, because it, it, it was in my childhood. Um, when I go back to kindergarten, four, three, two, in terms of what I can remember, um, a great deal of what I can remember is voodoo-related, whether it's the conversation that was being had about voodoo, whether it, it was items, ritual items, supplies that, that were visible to me, um, that re- that connected and related to voodoo, whether it was the religious conversation that was being had, you know, in my family at the time against voodoo and, 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 and witchcraft and, 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 and any other practice. You know, when you're a kid, Things aren't always said right out in front of you, um, but you gain some sense of bearing. You gain your bearing. You get, you get some sense of, well, something important is being talked about. You know, well, they're not saying pregnancy, but they're talking about a particular person, place of thing, you know, and then how that shows up. So um, it, it always starts first with environment, having a call on your life, what you're most um, drawn to, attracted to, um, what resonates with you as, as a child. I told my story before about having an erudite, college-educated, you know, curious mother who took us to the library, who took us to the museum. So I was ex- uh, exposed to culture uh, without world travel, without having to get on the plane. I was exposed to culture um, at a very young age just to documentaries just through PBS channel. Uh, we weren't allowed to watch regular TV. We had to watch PBS. We had to watch documentaries. We had to watch the news. We had to watch what either had black people on it. So I did watch Good Times and Jefferson, you know, and that's my mama. But but we also had to watch um, and Julia. Uh, but we also had to watch, you know, what was educational. And so my exposure to European culture and white people and Asian culture and Latina culture uh, came through news and documentary and, and educational exploration. So even now, um, whoever's listening to me who wants, you know, a different way of life for themselves and, and then for their children, take your kids to the museum. Take your kids to the library. You know, at the museum, your, your, your kids are going to be exposed to culture, Latin culture, Asian culture, ancient cultures, Native American culture, uh, Eskimo culture. I, I saw all of that at the museum. 
or sometimes three-dimensionally, fourth-dimensionally, hands-on, you know, right in your face. Take your kids to the opera. Take your kids to the symphony. You know, that's how you break the barriers of race. That's how you break the barriers of culture. That's how you break the barriers of classism, sexism. Sometimes it's just classism, you know, where, where we as black people sit back and say, oh, symphony, that's white people stuff. It's classism when we think, well, that's expensive. That's, that's classism. It's classism when we say, well, I, I got to focus on my budget. All I can afford is what my food stamps afford me. That's classism. And that's sort of an overt system that keeps you, some black revolutionary conscious folks say, you know, once you get on welfare, once you accept the food stamp, you know, we're accepting sort of the destruction of the black family. Because now the, the, the black mother or the single-headed household, you know, in a 1960s, 70s context, I know that's very different in a 2020 context, but in the 1960s, in the context of Julia, for those of you who are familiar with that with that movie, um, where uh, uh, Car- Diane Carroll is a lead lead character, she plays the hardworking single-headed household mother, you know, who's in conflict with welfare, who at that time, you know, wanted to know if a man was in the house, and if that man who in Julia was James Earl Jones, well, is he contributing? Is he buying? You know, is, is he paying, playing into your budget? We need to factor that, that in. And that showed up in a very specific way in the 1960s and the 1970s. But it still shows up today. You know, when you filled out paperwork, that unemployment paperwork, they wanted to know what other sources of income you had. Where else is your money coming from? You know, how much are you spending, you know, a month on, on thus and so? They've just changed the language. Hey, Washita, Chawa to the Washita. Uh, they've just um, changed the language. And the laws have changed in terms of what they can ask you on an uh, uh, application. In the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, 90s, they could ask you um, if, if you have uh, a, a felony, you know, if, if you've ever been to prison. Now, legally, they, they can't necessarily ask you that right outright. You know, so laws have changed, systems have changed, ways of doing things have changed. You know, so our idea now about the welfare system and the welfare queen, that was language that was used back in the 90s. You know, you, you don't hear the welfare queen anymore, you know. And, and this language was also used to um, confuse us about where the problem is or who the problem is. So the focus was on the, the black, quote, unquote, welfare queen. And, and the reality is the corporate organizations were getting the bulk of the money. So people are complaining about that right now, that in, in all this uh, small business loan help, emergency help, you know, in, in this stream of, of coronavirus, you know, big multi-million dollar businesses have been getting some of this money. Some have come out publicly and given that money back, you know, and, 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 and gone on TV and in the media giving that money back because they didn't want to tarnish, 
tarnish their own image. They didn't want to tarnish, you know, their, their own marketing uh, presence by being seen as accepting some of this big, powerful Trump money uh, w- w- when, they, when they have other means, other resources, other assets uh, that they could, you know, pull from. So I understand the technology around uh, these questions. I'm not even sure how we got on that, how I got on that. Um, around some of these these questions, but we must remember where value really is, where value really lies. Don't don't judge your value on what's in your bank account, how much is on your debit card, on your EBT card. Don't don't judge your value by that. Whether you qualify or don't qualify for unemployment, you know I was asked these questions earlier on this morning before I even came on air. No, I'm not on unemployment, I haven't even tried to get it. No, I'm not giving a stimulus. Well, I didn't say, I don't mean getting. I have not received a stimulus. I'm not looking for a stimulus. Uh, if I get a Trump check, it'll be great, uh, but, but I'm not holding my breath for it. And I know there are people who are, who can't make it, who are struggling, who, who can't punch in, who can't access you know, other means of, of, of income. And I understand how that's important for many of our people. But I rely in any weather, whether it's in this coronavirus weather, you know, or under normal, quote, unquote, normal circumstances. This is the new normal, by the way. Corona is the stagnant. Uh, It's a a constant. We are the variation. Corey Hebert likes to say that. We are what's relative in this absolute, this new absolute truth. We are. What we do or not do, how we protect or not protect ourselves is the new reality. Corona is the new reality. I feel like I'm all over the place, y'all. Reel me in here. I see a lot of conversation going on. Thank you, Hoodoo Occultism and and Neophyte Bokur and and many others uh, for your comments and your active participation. I'm in the chat. I'm trying to show every comment and, and bring it to the forefront so that we all can see it, so that my viewers can see that there are many people here. Just because you're only hearing my voice doesn't mean that there aren't other voices here. Keona, I see you're back on the phone lines with me, so um, let me unmute my mic. Um, I'm back, I'm back. Girl, and you have a lot of background noise. That's why I keep muting and unmuting you. Me? Um, it's no noise here. Oh, not you, Keon. I said Sterling. Sterling has a oh, lot of background apologies. noise. So that's why I keep muting and unmuting Sterling. I'm not trying to prevent you from asking questions. It's just you have a lot of background noise. And Keona, welcome, beloved. Um, obviously, your mic is now open. And come I'm on back. in. Yeah, I'm glad I listen you're to you and uh, <laughs> give thanks. Gotta give thanks. Today has been booming. But anyway, it's back to the voodoo. Okay, so I was looking at uh, Hoodoo Occultism and um, he 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 brought some some heat to the he brought some tea because it says um, 
this white girl who's 19 years old says that um, she she was involved with Papa Legba and she was drowned right after. And I don't, me personally, I don't think that was Papa Legba. I think that was a demon she saw. Okay, I'm not following. But I think people could stop. I'm, I'm right not before I'm doing the show, it's a blog, um, a, a world class, um, world star hip hop. And they posted oh. uh, a video of a girl that's 19. She's Caucasian. And she um, contacted, she says that she contacted Papa Legba. And right afterwards, she says, I'm scared. And then she drowned. Like she's saying she oh, saw wow. him and then she drowned afterwards. Yeah, Kiana, she saw a demon. Yeah, that wasn't Papa saw... Legba right there. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't Papa Legba. That I'm not laughing not at her Legba. situation, but I'm laughing like people just be playing Papa Legba. It's not. It's not even how he moves. People who even play with spirit, period, and that's why I say there's a danger in invoking Loa, and you ain't authentically initiated. It's a danger. Who's to say they're going to show up anyway? Orisha, and you are not authentically initiated. And yeah, and that's right. And who's to say they're going to show up at all? Even in a transpossession, there's no guarantee that that thing, that spirit is going to show up at all. And who's to say who has stood up? Who, who's to say who has responded? You hear me say almost every day that some of you in your desperation, in your, in your need, in your pleas, in your desires for change or for the blessing or for love, you're willing to call on not only God, but you're willing to call on your angels and these Orisha and these Loas and, and the ancestors and, and, and the spirit realm. You know, if it's somebody up there, if it's a God up there, if it's somebody out there, hear me, respond to me. And you may not use those words. It, it might be in your ritual. It might be in your candle burning. But, but your need for a response is great. And so spirit will respond to you. But what spirit? Which spirit? What gen? What, what demon? Even in the magical book, it says, clarify the spirit. Judge the spirit. Is it of God? Is it of heaven? Is it of hell? Is it a disembodied human spirit? You got to clarify. And so that's where the knowledge and the training and the awareness absolutely comes in, absolutely comes in. And it's natural to being human that we walk in between the world. That's a natural God-given human ability to transcend time and oh, this space. This is what I want to say before I got off on the, the line earlier. So the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. So this guy got upset with someone that's um, black that's, you know, uh, claiming um, Egyptian, and and they were going back and forth. And so the person was saying, like, they they um, they had uh, Ogun with them. Okay. And he was just going all off. It was like, how are you claiming that you have all these law when you're not even properly initiated and you're not even on one path? Like, you're just all over the place, you know, right? And so he says, and then you want to claim Ogun when, and I hate to say it, please forgive me, but I'm repeating his words respectfully. He says, and Ogun was a murderer. How dare you sit there and, and claim this when you don't even know what these spirits 
and what what they're about. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe he uttered those words out of his mouth. And I was like, okay, is he going to drop dead any second? Like, why would he say that? And I was like, these people need to quit playing. That's why I do this show. Since the very beginning, that's why I started doing Boss Talk Radio. And, of course, that's why I evolved with the popularity and the technology and made my way to YouTube and now here on um, StreamYard. That's why I do what I do. I do it for everybody. Who do occultism hear me clearly? Beloved, (laughs) I do this for everybody. Black, white, red, brown, yellow, and green. Now, hear me. Hear me. I want the truth about voodoo. Whether you black or white, I want the truth about voodoo. Not that I'm, my goal is to, to initiate everybody in the world. That's not my goal. It's not my interest. I'm primarily interested in my journey, my destiny, and, and, and the discovery of self. So in that, I'm concerned about my sister, my brother, my cousin, my mother, my father first. That, that's anyone's natural organic response, no matter what your ethnic group is. So uh, I don't have a problem with white folks who are knowledgeable, knowledgeable about voodoo. Because if they're knowledgeable, they're not appropriating. They're not bastardizing. They're not attempting to do stuff. They're not attempting to take over stuff. They're not attempting to leave stuff, you know, in that way. And we, meaning black people, we have that problem. We have that problem. We want to appropriate. We want to bastardize. Oh, no, child, I ain't, I ain't got to have no mentor. Oh, no, I ain't got to have no godparent. I don't have to be initiated. I got a, I got a botanica four blocks away from me. You know, I can go and buy this, that, and the other and whip up this, that, and the other. I've read Louise Tesh, Jambalaya. I've read Jambalaya. I've read Santory uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Experience. You know, I, I've read all these, you know. Okay, so I've read chemistry books. It don't make me a chemist. <laughs> I've read astronomy and astrology and science, and I, I love NASA channel. It don't make me an astronaut. Okay? I got a yard full of herbs and roots and plants and, 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 and a cabinet full, full of the same. It don't make me a pharmacy. Okay? It don't make me a pharmacist. Okay? I'm a great teacher, people tell me. I'm a great orator, people tell me. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) I am not an educator by profession. I'm just not. My patience is too thin. I can cook. I can throw down. Okay, almost anything. I have an international power, but I'm nobody's chef. I'll never be uh, not (laughs) just, you know, mahogany alchemy. You know, I'm, I'm not there. You know, I'm not. Uh, uh, Chef Ramsey. So we're not honest in Western culture. And it's taught. It's, it's ingrained. It, it's a product of Western culture. If you can see it, you can buy it. If you got the money for it, you can have it. If you got the credit, even though you can't afford it, you can come and get it. That's Western culture. Who, who, who needs a doctor? Who needs a pharmacist? 
I got over the counter. I'm good. I'm gonna take some of this over the counter. I'm gonna take some Robitussin. Everybody hates Chris. I'm gonna take some Robitussin, you know, and fix this Corona. <laughs> it don't work like that. It don't work like that. And so I, I just don't understand. I, I get it, but I don't understand how it is that we get to the high science of spirituality and religion, and now we want to take a shortcut. We accept the high science of athletics. We accept the high science of sports. And we acknowledge it and we celebrate it and we reward it. We know everybody can't do that. We know everybody doesn't want to do that. So everybody came built to do that. So we acknowledge the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryants and the greats. You know, we acknowledge the Stevie Wonder and the Alicia Keys and the greats, you know, of the, of the music. But just because you can sing a little bit don't mean you can sing. Just because you can write a little bit don't make you a writer. And, and so I, I don't get it how when it comes to what's probably one of the most important regions of our lives, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our health, our inner world, now we want to take the shortcut. Now we, go, now we want to take the shortcut. Um, Kimberly Mattal, did I answer that question? Most Caucasian alleged voodoo practitioners online fake. I don't feel most are authentic. Um, online, no. No. Um, I know of one. I would be remiss not to acknowledge her name and her presence. Many people who know and understand New Orleans are familiar with Sally Ann Glassman. Um, she's owner-operator manager of the healing center here in the city. There are many black groups, organizations that utilize the healing center. Um, and it's a white patient Buddha practitioner. Um, spent many years, two decades, going back and forth to Haiti, initiating in the Haitian Buddha tradition. Um, so, I know of white people who are authentically involved in these traditions. I have um, a question. Go ahead, Sterling. Is that, I just don't know. Does spirit acknowledge them equally as melanated folks? Um, listen, I hear what you're saying. I, I do. I hear what you're saying, and I hear what you're not saying. I even hear you a little bit like me. Um, you're trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> you're trying to find your words. And, and so let me say let, let me say it. I am a voodoo priest and not a Nordic priest or a Celtic priest for a reason. For a reason. Not that I don't understand Celtic science to some degree, not that I don't understand the ruins, R-U-N-E-S, for those who don't understand what I'm saying, or my accent, the ruins, not that I don't understand ancient Egypt, not that I don't understand China or Japan, you know, I am a voodoo priest for a reason. I'm standing in my truth. And so if I'm looking at who I am and my spirit walk, who my parents were, who my grandparents were, how I got to my destination, and, and I filter through the Christianity that's in my family and some of the other stuff, 
I ended up at Voodoo. I ended up at Voodoo. I don't think there's anything wrong with studying other people's cultures, other people's traditions, other people's lineages. But at what point is it okay to appropriate it, to, to take it, to, to steal it, to, to claim that you've earned your right to represent it, uh, and then limit other people's involvement in it, and then limit other people's access to the dog ball home nine, then limit other people's access to, you know, Obasala, you know, up to the U.S. Then to try and limit Araba Ella Baboon's access to us, who otherwise might be, and in many cases are, blood-related to these people. Blood-related to these people. I'm Keona, I'm not sure I understand your question. Why is Arkham Spirit, your song, so important? Your truth? But, but maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're trying to ask. I need you to re-ask that for me. So, Sterling, listen, blood, I'm with you. Beloved, I understand. Um, uh, but but that, that's, my, that's, that's my response. People who are not willing to acknowledge your truth, stand up in their truth, I think sometimes it's um, running from their own path, running from their own story. I've had some people tell me, I don't want to associate with my race. They've done bad things. They've hurt people. Wow. They've created problems. You know, and so we all have some healing to do as in relate to that. We all do. We all do. Um, Fiona, people who attract unavailable people are unavailable themselves. People who consistently attract unavailable people are unavailable themselves and want to remain so. And want to remain so. Now, let me clarify. I've talked about this before as it relates to depression and, and some forms of mental health. Um, you're stuck. You're bound. You're under bondage. You're, you're in a place that you feel you can't move out from. And so that's your beacon. That's your vibration that you send out to the universe. And so you attract other people who are stuck, who are bound, who are in that, that place because it feels familiar to you. You recognize it. Now, you might say, I want tall, dark, and handsome. You know, I want, might want, what is it, 34, 28, 38? You know, I don't know what the body shapes are today. <laughs> when I look at people like Kim Kardashian, I don't know what the body shape measurements are anymore. But um, you, you're, that's not all you're looking at. That's not, not, that's not all you're seeking. You're also internally seeking what's familiar, what you can recognize. That's why we're doing this swipe thing today, which makes no sense to me. I, I'm going to hit like on everybody or I'm going to swipe everybody. Because what you're seeing is superficial. Oh, but it's the right shade. It's the right color. It's the right style. It's the right shape. It's the right location. It's the right economics. But you're only seeing what you see. So they stand in front of Mercedes. Who says that's even a Mercedes? Who, who says that they're not in debt up to their neck? 
you know, so we attract what, you know, we hear opposites attract. And it's real easy to say male and female, boy and girl, black and white. It's, it's real easy to think in that limited way. But we also attract the opposite of what, what we're focusing on. We also attract the opposite of who we think we are. <laughs> we also attract the opposite of, of what our priority might be. And spirit might say, oh, no, your priority should be on this. You think you're going this way, but I see where you're going and you're headed this way. Or, or we attract people that help us find the resolution. So sometimes it looks, so sometimes it looks like Kiona and Sterling and everybody else who's listening like we're repeating the problem, like we're repeating the bad pattern. I keep attracting the same kind of man. I keep attracting the same kind of women. I keep, keep attracting the same kind of frenemies. I, I keep operating in the same circles. Yeah, you are. And you are consciously or subconsciously drawing that back to you because it's familiar. It's what you know. And so the, your comfort zone keeps you stuck. Your comfort zone keeps you limited. So you have to consciously step out of your comfort zone. You have to consciously choose what you instinctively would otherwise be choosing in order to break that, that pattern. And it's fear that keeps us from doing that. Well, what if I fall off the rails? What, what if I choose a serial killer? You know, what, what, what if, what if, what if? There's always the what if. The, the, the what ifs are always hiding in the shadows behind the most perfect scenario, let alone the worst of scenarios. So we tend to keep attracting unavailable people when we ourselves are not available. And you might think, oh, I'm available. I'm, I'm put, put, not you personally, Kiona, but I'm, I'm responding to the question. You might think, oh, I'm available. I'm putting myself out there. But no. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, you're not available because you're only expecting it to look like a certain thing, to walk and talk like a certain thing, to act and sound like a, a certain thing. You know, in a social setting, it's crazy when I meet particularly black men and within two minutes, um, oh, I'm interested in women. I like women. I, I love women. As if gay people want you just based on your sex, just based on your body parts, just based on your genitalia, as if there's no structure there, as if there's no um, sense of identity and, and, and what I'm interested in or looking for. Um, most, whew, I'm going to say it because it's already out there. Most black men I run into on a, on a regular basis, not even on my level. Not interested in you. Not looking to hook up with you. <laughs> not looking to date you. Um, we can't hold a conversation about culture. We can't hold a conversation about religion. We can't hold a conversation about politics. We can't hold a, hold a conversation about lifestyle, you know, and, and meet in the middle. And so particularly when I look at the heterosexual community, you're hooking up on male or female, boy or girl. He's got, she's got, uh, let's, let's bring that together. And it's a whole nother level of 
what's important to you, beloved? What do you really need? What, what do you really want in your life that you're not paying enough attention to? And so you're drawing back to you, you're attracting back to you aspects of yourself that remain hidden, aspects of yourself that are not being fully explored, that need a light shined on. Ahudu Occultism says, Kimberly, my homegirl, got scammed by her baba. I mean, her baba, is it really her baba? <laughs> His wife exposed him and told her he was trying to do polygamy. That, unfortunately, is very popular, and particularly right now. Um, we, as a culture, as a society, have had a very limited exposure to polygamy in, in the U.S., whether you be black, white, whatever. But we have a limited exposure to polygamy and polygamous lifestyles because it's not legal here, and, and we don't see it every day. I'm finding that, again, with the Arisha romance, with the cultural romance that we often develop, um, in the modern world and our access to other cultures through the internet, um, we see polygamy as a romantic image and don't understand what the real protocols and dynamics of polygamy are. The Western mind wants polygamy because they see the opportunity to have more than one woman. Often it's more than one woman. They don't even consider polygamy where it's, you know, for instance, there are certain ethnic groups where a woman can have as many husbands as she needs. Not as she wants, as she needs. And so our whole idea about what marriage is, is warped in the West. You know, our whole idea about uh, partnership is warped in the West. And so we don't understand dowry, for instance, paying a dowry to the family. We don't understand uh, the value of cattle, the value of land, the value of having resources, the value of being able to support a large community of, of women, children, you know, um, um, and, of course, boys and men. And so all of that really goes into what polygamy is. And so the average Westerner has no idea of that. We look at Warren Jeffs and, and, and the Mormons and, and some of the drama around that, and, and we all have a very warped understanding of what polygamy is. People look at my Facebook page and see, you know, sister wife, Tony Val Martinez, and, and don't understand what that is, don't understand what that means. Oh, well, I thought he was gay. You know, well, no, but I, and just some of you think I'm straight, you know, because you're going on, your own, you're leaning into your own inner standards. You think everybody thinks like you. you. You think the whole world thinks Christian. You think the whole world thinks Islam. Or in a very limited frame of what Christian is or Islamic is or polygamy is or what tribalism is. So, it, it, you know, today, because of Internet, because of the Western wealth, even if you're, you know, consider yourself poor or broke in the Western world, we, we are wealthy in comparison to, to a great deal of the rest of the world. Um, we ha- are afforded opportunities to explore and experiment and play around with other people's cultures, traditions, practices, you know. And um, we often get it wrong because we come at it inappropriately and incorrectly. Uh, why is offering spirit and ancestors of singing important? Singing, vibration, 
drumming, harmony. Uh, that's a great question, Kiona, because it goes back to something I said earlier in the show. We get confused once we get into language. Once we get into English, French, Portuguese, Spanish, things get confused. You know, we, we, try, we try to explain ancient cultures, ancient traditions, ancient religions while using English. Why using French? Why using German? And expect that to make sense. Expect, expect that to connect. Expect that to resonate. We want to pray and offer very modern Western stuff to our ancestors and expect that to connect. Expect that to make sense. Some of your slave ancestors wouldn't even understand a cell phone. Come on now. So singing is another form of language, just like I've been talking throughout the hour about uh, symbolism being a form of language. So we can communicate things through song. We can't communicate necessarily through words. Even if the song is in words, you know, American music is very popular in foreign countries. Some of those people can't speak a word of English. You know, I, I love Sufi music. Can't understand half the Arabic that's being said. Can't understand half of the ancient Asian languages that are being used. You know, I, I like the sound of it. I like the vibration of it. You know, some people love hip-hop, and you don't know what's being said. You understand a word that's in the song, even if it's in English. Because in the urban community, we often use words and phraseologies that are completely opposite of the language that's being spoken. You know, what's hot? What's bad? <laughs> you know, is that good or is that negative? Is that positive or is that negative? You know, uh, what's trill? What does that mean? You know, so singing is important because now we're octave, vibration, tone. Resonant Emotion We can all sing the same song We can all sing the same Christian song for instance But your individual resonance Gives it power That song might make you cry It might not make me cry That song might make you emotional It might not make me emotional And so by way of music, tone, note We can transcend time and space In a way that, that we normally cannot In waking existence I also find it interesting that when we think of outer space, when we think of alien, ancient aliens, when we think about modern alien intervention, when we think about technology, and you see the presence of, of tone and notes and resonance. that shows up in technology, um, how certain notes, tone, vibration, resonance can move technology, can move mechanics, can possibly move stones to create a pyramid, tone, harmony, vibration, resonance. Um, so that's, that's very important. When your ancestors, for instance, don't understand your modern English talk, they might understand songs. They might understand words. They might understand music. They will understand resonance. Um, 
soulmates from a karmic relationship, um, Kiona, those those are really both the same thing. And that's why most people are confused about soulmates. They're really, you're really talking about the same thing. Everything is happening based on karmic energy. Our karmic relationship to each other, to the world. Not just what I do to you and what you do to me and then that comes back, but what you do to the world. What you project out into the world. How you treat life and nature and insects and plants and water and air and, and your responsibility for, your stewardship so the person who might waste water, for instance, might have that show up in, in a constant outflow of their money, a constant outflow of their resources, a constant outflow from their love and relationship house, and, and they never have enough. They never have what they need. So that can be karmic response. Karma can be how you treated people a thousand years ago, and so now certain things never work for you because that's a karmic outcome. Soulmate, soulmate families, clan families, soulmate relationships often do travel on and respond to karmic energy from time memorial. But soulmates, soulmate families are also about working out, working through our spiritual stuff, our spiritual lessons, and, and, and transformation, which then can show up in, in uh, karma. And how karma um, operates for us, how, how karma then shows up uh, in our life. Um, Self-hate is, is a negative response to not knowing any better. See, if you know you don't know any better and you accept that you don't know any better, um, then there's no room for self-hate. <laughs> you just educate yourself. Greetings, Jacqueline. You just educate yourself. You, you just find out what you don't need to know. I mean, you find out what you need to know. Okay, that's the difference between just not knowing any better versus self-hate. Self-hate is where you then step into judgment. Okay, well, I'm now going to judge myself for not knowing any better, and that's the development of self-hate. Iyanla Van Zant likes to say, and of course she's one of my, my strongest godmothers in my head, um, it's unloving, it's unkind, to judge yourself, to beat yourself up, you know, to punish yourself for, for your lack of knowledge, for not knowing, for not doing something you've never known or never been taught to do, never been instructed to do. And so that's when you step into self-hate. So now you're moving beyond it's unloving. I'm not, I'm not just being unloving to myself, but now I'm going to judge and hate myself for what I don't know. So that's the difference between just not knowing and self-hate. Um, we can also operate in denial, and then that shows up like self-hate. <laughs> you know, um, you don't like your face. You don't like your hair. You don't like what you look like. And so you strive to cover that, mask that, you know, um, and, and to, the, to the point that it becomes self-hate, uh, self-judgment. Uh, and maybe you just don't know any better. Maybe you don't know that it's genetic. Maybe you don't know that it's fixable. Maybe you don't know that it's uh, an outcrop of some other information that you lack. So not knowing is a common natural state for humanity. 
for children. Children don't know, and they don't immediately judge themselves for what they don't for don't know for not for what they don't know or understand. Children don't immediately go into self hate on their lack, lack of knowledge. Children will ask questions. Well, what is that? Are you, mommy? Are you wearing a wig? Mommy, is, is that lady's breast real? You know, mommy, why is that man wearing a toupee? Kids know that they don't know, and they don't judge themselves for not knowing. They just ask questions. They just ask. They just speak. It's when, when adults stop asking. They get too grand. They get too egotistical. They, they get too full of themselves um, to, to not only know and recognize what they don't know, but then to ask, then to inquire about what they don't know or what they don't understand. Teachers experience this all the time, teaching, sharing, speaking, and people nod, people sit there and never say, can you spell that? I do it all the time. I throw out words, Yoruba, Akan, San, Eve, while I'm teaching, and I don't stop to spell it because you don't ask. I don't stop to explain it because you don't ask. And, and, and I'm conscious of it in the moment. In the moment. And I want to see how long before you can suspend that gatekeeper and come back at me and say, you know what, beloved, I, I don't understand the word you're saying. Can you explain that? Can you spell that? And, and, and it shows up in our dating. I talked about that yesterday. We, we don't know how to build relationships because we won't ask questions. We're scared to ask questions, and we're scared to have questions asked of us. We're scared to show our ignorance. We're scared to show what we don't know. We're scared to admit that, you know, maybe I'm not the most educated person about this particular topic. So, so fill me in. Tell me what I, what I need to know. Tell me, you know, we aren't willing to look, look like we don't know. It's a Western condition. Uh, Keona, you're asking me if your first, if your income is one job, is it realistic to do a money ritual and in, and income has a has a cap on it? Um, I understand your question. I do. Um, where I'm having a delay is how to respond to that, because. It, the way you're wording your question, it's a reality that I've never known. Um, I've had more than one job since four. <laughs> I don't know, since, since childhood, I've, I've had more than one job. So I don't get one job. I don't get that. Um, I don't understand that. Um, I, I know that once upon a time, you got a high school degree, you went to college, you got a skill. You work a job for 30, 50 years, you retire, you know, and they give you the gold watch. Girlfriend, that haven't existed since the 70s. I mean, really? So anyone who thinks, you know, I have a degree or I have a job, or, you know, I'm good. Um, and you don't have any kind of backup. You don't have more, you know, multiple stream of income. That, that's a new phraseology. You know, I, I can't remember ever hearing that used five years ago, 10 years ago, multiple stream of income. So that, that's new words. That's a new language 
it matches the new technology. It matches our new place of understanding. So as a vendor, I know there's Muslims, there's dreadlocks, there's, you know, all kind of vendors and self-employed people under the sound of my voice. We don't know what having one source of income is. We don't know what having one job is. So if you're talking about doing a money ritual, an income ritual, I would expect you're talking about God or the spirits or the ancestors bringing forward um, a source of income that that either you don't aren't aware of or, um, uh, again, we're now talking about something else, something you create, recreate, build with your hands. Many of you, are, you know, I, I hate to sound cliche, many of you are sitting on a gold mine, you know, and I don't mean back page. I don't mean that. I'm talking about it's in your hands. I'm talking about your skills, your abilities, your qualifications are literally in your hands and in your head when we think of intellectual property. So some of you have the ability and the means to create other streams of income by way of something you make, something you create, you know, something you're good at that you don't consider your job or your career. But but people say, girl, you're good at cooking this. You're good at braiding hair. You're good at making jewelry. You're good at painting a room. You're good at all these other things. And so in a way, society is being forced to regress a little bit in order to move forward. So people are now looking at your other skills, your other abilities, your other, your other abilities, your other skill sets. Um, and then it's intellectual property, which is also another new word. Intellectual property is what you think, plan, create from out of your head. Our architects, our book writers, our poets, our, our songwriters are, are operating in the realm of intellectual property. Some of you know how to do internet technology and website technology and social media marketing. Um, that's intellectual property. So if you can make money for someone else, if you can punch a clock for someone else, then you have an ability and skill to do the same for yourself. You just got to get clear about what that is and how to best apply that. A past regression is the ability to go through a ceremony, a ritual. Uh, psychologists now do it. Some psychiatrists and therapists now do it. Some spiritualists now do it. I have always done it um, through meditation, sound therapy, crystal therapy, um, and then to invoke a, a state of past life regression, almost like a trance. So it can be a, a, a form of hypnotism. It can be a form of trance regression um, that takes you into that place um, where you then go back in time and can look at your childhood, can look at other lives. There are ways to do Regression, past life regression individually uh, But as I say all the time If you're fearful If you're not able to suspend The guardian In your head In your spirit In your heart That stands in to judge That's always questioning Doing some kind of past life regression On your own You might find that difficult 
just as difficult as being able to be still and quiet long enough to meditate or, or long enough to go go into uh, to a trance. Um, Neophyte Bokur, thank you, beloved, for coming back um, with us. I don't know if you're okay. Your mic is now on. Um, let me answer Kimberly Mattel's question before you speak. She asked, "Do the loa allow you to date?" Um, not always. Sometimes it's not at all. Sometimes it's not within certain seasons or certain dates. So there are people who have done uh, marriage to loa, so but also are married legally. So you might not be able to be intimate or, or even sleep in the same room with your husband, your wife, your spouse. Um, for certain time periods, for certain days out of the week. Um, so, yeah, uh, marriage to Lawa, being involved in Lawa, and Orisha, by the way, um, can absolutely affect your dating life, your intimate life, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, no, the, the Lawa can prevent you from dating, can um, up, up, upstage your entire uh, love and relationship house, to be quite frank. Go ahead, Neophyte Bokor, beloved. Come on in. I can't see you, and I can barely hear you, beloved. Okay, I don't know if you can turn that up a little bit or lean into it a little bit, but we can't hear you really. I can't see you at all, and I can only hear you just a little. There you are. Uh, I can tell. Listen, listen, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to take your hand and pull that mic closer to your mouth. That's a little better, yeah. Go ahead. Yes, I'm aware of that. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Speak up, brother. Talk louder. Right. Okay, bro, beloved. Okay, beloved. Hold on. I can hear you, and maybe YouTube Live can hear you just a little bit. 
but Blog Talk Radio can't hear you at all. So it's almost like I'm just saying, yeah, brother, uh-huh, yeah, and they're not hearing you at all. So um, I, I want to kind of repeat some of what you're saying, at least so everybody know, you know what we're talking about. Um, I hear you talking about people, you know, living on, on base, for lack of better words, at some of these facilities. We know that our migrant workers, for instance, do that. You know, they might come from another country or Chile or, or whatever, or even right here in the U.S., but they might, you know, live, you know, on the farm where the food is being picked, or they might live in housing right around where the meat packing facility is. But that would only increase the opportunity for the transmission of the virus. And that's why these large groups of employees are now not being able to show up sort of to do that work. And that's what they're basing the prediction about the food shortage on. So I hear you saying that it might not necessarily be a shortage of food itself. That I get. I've seen the videos myself of them um, euthanizing chickens, killing cattle. So, so, so I, I get that aspect of it. I, I do. But if the employees aren't able to sort of get the food to us, then just like we saw not, not more than a month ago, the, the shelves at Walmart are going to be empty again. The shelves at Giant Food are going to be empty again. So for us on this end, there's still going to be a food shortage. It's, it's still going to be a lack of, of food um, accessibility, you know, for, for a temporary period of time. Now, another question that I had for you before you dropped earlier was, what how, warehouses are you talking about specifically? And I know you can't necessarily tell me where they are or the name of them, but, you know, what are they housing, for instance? What products do you know are in the back of your truck? What are you transporting? Because you can't be possibly transporting everything. You either have a refrigerated truck or you don't. You, you either have a certain type of truck or you don't. So I know you're only carrying certain types of items. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I get that. I do. I mean, you could be sued. You're under contract. I get that. You said, okay, hold on. You said personal protection? Okay, yeah, that, that now that's a good point. I want to make sure everybody, including Block Talk Radio, can hear you. Um, Spirit warned me last summer that certain things were happening. And, and, again, sometimes when you get a prediction or a premonition, you don't know specific. You, you know what I'm saying? But, but you know that something is at work. So, uh, and I too don't want to give up too much information. 
Uh, I don't need anybody trying to break into my house because I'm going to kill you if you try to break into my house. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. Shango would love that. Um, Ogu would love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I, was, I was conscious of that. I was cognizant of that. It took me back to Hurricane Katrina where there was even this rumor about people's weapons being taken by the police. Yeah. But these distribution centers, they do have, they're stacked to the, the, to the ceiling. And especially if he has a reefer trailer, you know, they're, um, they, they're calling in the supplies and they're delivering the supplies. But the problem is, is that the, uh, for them to get it from the warehouses, meaning the distribution centers over to the markets to us is where the problem is. Cause they're not, they don't have, the manpower to do it. That's why they're trying to hire people. That's why they're trying to uh, push Instacart. But if you look at these trucks, they're they're hauling freight. They, they have Lysol. They have right, masks. Right. They have everything, but, but the people aren't putting it in the store, so it's not the freight, because this freight is being pulled. Right, exactly. And, and that's that's a point that both me and um, Neophyte Bokur uh, reinforce, is that you know, it may not necessarily be a lack of certain supplies, but if there's no one to move it, to package it, to cut the meat up, you know, to put the eggs in the carton, then those, those systems are now beginning to break down because of the number of cases of COVID that are showing up in these farms, in these plants, in these warehouses. And that's something that has been sort of downplayed since the beginning. The actual number of people who have it, you know, the number of uh, testing that's being done, the, the ability to antibody test. And so we're getting conflicting information about how serious this really is. Um, forgive me, Neophyte Bokur. The problem is Kiona can't hear you. We can't hear you. So I need you, I need you, to, I need you to shout if you have to when you're talking. Ain't nobody in your truck, so scream if you have to. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, even under normal circumstances. Right. That's right. As much as where they can, where they can, because uh, again, we're going to see a spike. I'm, I'm predicting a spike, and a few other people have, um, as it relates to Georgia. You know, we're about to see a spike there. We're 
we're going to see an Easter spike, you know, from people who just had to go out for Easter, who just had to go to church, who just had to go see their family, you know, who had who had the dinners, you know, and whatnot. Uh, there's a video going around right now. It's even on mainstream news uh, coming out of Chicago. I mean, what's with these house parties in Chicago? I mean, you know, what the hell? That was a hot mess. That was a certified hot mess. And we're the main ones dropping like flies, and then they're going to sit up there and have a party with 200-plus people, and the person hosting the party had a mask on there? Come on. That was just flat-out dumb. This virus hates black people. I know that's cute cute to some of y'all. That sounds humorous to some of y'all. But I'm serious as a heart attack. Hear me, family, friends, loved ones. Hear me. This virus hates black people. And it don't really matter about your age. If you consider how we eat, how we drink, how we smoke, how we live, our accessibility to, to medical intervention, You know, I know some of you are holistic and vegan and vegetarian, but you are still a small percentage of the community. And some of us still have ingrained, inherited health issues, diabetes past generations, heart problems past generations, high blood pressure past generations. And many of you, you know, want that fat booty look, want that fat breast look, so, so there are a lot of women of color who are overweight. I know you don't like to hear that. You know, you, you're ob- obese according to the, the statistics and the numbers. And so I don't care if you're 18, 20, 25, 30, 40. You're at risk of dying of this. Are you all listening to the people who recover from this, how they explain their uh how they explain their their symptoms and what they went through. Um, Keon, I don't know what's going on with Block Talk, Block Talk Radio. As far as I can tell, everything is okay. I'm, I'm with and you. We can make do because I'm going to tell you, I was three seconds away from getting all this stomach put in the back, okay? I'm talking about yes, taking indeed. all the lifetime of savings just so I could have a butt. Because who would not, I wouldn't even apply for a security guard job when I needed a job because you had to tuck your pants in because my behind was just looking a hot mess. <laughs> and who was not about to turn around with me, okay? So I was watching those documentaries, and I was like, oh, no, I ain't going to be able to do that. I ain't going to be able to lay down for, for two weeks. I need to sit up, you know. So I, I they, look, they got through to me. They got through to me. And a lot of people are dying. A lot of black women are dying from these butt jobs now, y'all. Seriously. These, these butt jobs are really killing people, w- whether they get it done legally or illegally. I'm not talking about somebody who's going across the border, going to a house party and getting injected. I mean, people are really dying over this, this cosmetic plastic surgery stuff. So, you know, we, we, we got to be careful with that. Um, who do a cultism is a temp worker? Who, who also drives trucks. Um, Neophyte Bokur, you may not know, but he uh, cleans drains in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, of course, you know, to keep our garbage and all the wet wipes and paper towels and stuff that people are flushing now, uh, so he keeps the sewer system free 
so he's a temporary worker. Um, but he says that um, he's been working temporarily, but they shut down yesterday. And he's a temporary worker. So it is showing up now in these temporary agencies, you know, either by way of people getting sick or by way of the agencies fearing people getting sick or fearing getting sued or, or, or fearing, you know, complications that could come back to haunt them. So they're now shutting down or suspending operations. Um, it's showing up everywhere, bro. It, it's showing up at every level. So I, I'm grateful that you are still working. Uh, and those who are, I'm, I'm glad that you are. But know that this is not over, and this is problematic. We can't hear you. We, we can't hear you. We can I can hear him on the laptop. Yeah, it's like a zombie apocalyptic zombie movie for sure, for sure. And and I for one will survive. Okay, <laughs> hear me clearly. Well, yes, yes, indeed. Whether this is a movie or, or reality, whether this is a conspiracy or or something natural, I for one am going to survive. And, and let me be clear: I'm not, you know, argumentative. I know some of you believe the conspiracies and the theories. Some of them are more believable than others. And I don't side with one over the other. I side with be alive. Be alive. At the end of the day, be, be, be grateful. Yeah, be Driven by being alive, you know, if they're if they're uphold, you know, if they're withholding, you know, uh, uh, product, if it's being held up. <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to eat, you got to sleep, you got to wipe your ass, <laughs> you know, you you got to take care of, of yourself and your family. So no matter whether it's a conspiracy or not, I, I just need us to be logical, to be practical, um, and, and to help each other, you know, and, and to continue to share information, much as we're doing right now. Bring, bring that information back to, to the circle. Bring those resources back to the circle so that we, we all can live, we, we all can survive, no matter which side of the, of the argument ultimately, you know, you, you choose, you, you find yourself on. What matters at the end of the day is results. What matters at the end of the day is do you have food? Do you have protein, whether it's meat or of, of vegetable protein? Do you have it? That's what's going to matter at the end of the day as, as we move this forward. 
We can't hear you, beloved. You're you're actually lower now than you've been the whole time we've been broadcasting. So I don't know if you're in a in a dark zone in the desert, but we can't hear you. Okay, yeah, I understand and I appreciate you. I'm about to wrap it up anyway and move forward. It's really powerful. Um, two hours and, and fifty minutes. I appreciate all the interaction and the contribution to the show, the questions, the comments, the requests. Thank you so much, Sterling, uh, for being a local New Orleanian and, and participating with your questions and comments throughout the show. Of course, I'm grateful for Kiona being our faithful moderator, even while she's trying to handle her business and run her life and do her thing. She still finds a way to show up every day and, and help us here and, and be a, an important um, contributing factor to the show. And, of course, all the questions in the chat, I appreciate you. Kimberly McTowell, um, she's asking for a trajectory towards the duration of the virus from spirit. Um, I've been sort of suggesting that, leaking that, hinting at that, um, really since around March 9th. Um, at the earliest, in terms of us being able to move around, there's no – going back to, to normal. There's no, what is normal? This, this is the new normal. There, there is no going back to what we had before. Um, be prepared to cover. Be prepared to wear a mask. Be, be a, prepared for social distancing to be a part of our new reality, at least for two or three years. Even if they get an antidote of some sort, you know, um, at least a year, a year and a half or more before everyone gets that, before everyone has access to that. And, and don't assume it's going to be free. So some of you are going to have to pay for that. Some of you are going to have to then go back to the question of universal health care. What kind of health care do you have? All of that is still going to come into play. So this is going to be around two, three, five years, minimum. Now, coming out, Okay, let me ask this, answer it from this perspective, uh, Kimberly. People are asking, well, can I get an appointment to come in your house? No. No one's coming in my house till at least June, July, August, maybe Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Because remember now, they canceled Jazz Fest. They canceled Essence Fest. Mayor Cantrell is already in discussions about canceling Mardi Gras. 2021, which is February 16th. So anybody coming in here for months, for months, no one's been in my house since March 9th. Nylon the traitor was the last person you saw him on camera to be physically in my house, and, and, and that was March 9th. So no one's been in here. I have gone nowhere. No, that's a lie. I've been to the ATM twice since March 9th, and only because I was under a little bit of pressure. My landlord, some of you know who she is. You know, she's my cousin. We share cultural reality. Uh, we share economic reality. So I paid my landlord. I know she needed that money. And so I got in her car 
and went to the ATM and came back. I went back a second time because you can only get so much money out of an ATM, uh, primarily because of my rent. That's it. I've been nowhere else since March 9th, not even to the corner store, not even to the corner store. And I kind of joke around with that topic. Some of you well know I use rap. (laughs) Some of you know why. Okay. Even that is being delivered. Even that is coming through the mail. B&B, be like boy, B&B Tobacco. Shout out to B&B Tobacco. They're online. <laughs> they prevent me now from even having to go to the corner store. So there's no reason to go out, my people. We, we need essential employees. We need Neophyte Bocor to keep running stuff back and forth, you know, to the store. But we expect him to wear a mask when he get off that truck. We expect him to have some gloves on and some Clorox wipes or something when you pumping gas or you going in and out of the public bathroom, you know, or you make contact with with surfaces. We expect them to do that. Now, now we can't always be sure. So when the packages will show up at my door, I'm bleaching everything down. I'm wiping everything down, coming and going. You know, when I take my own trash out, I use a, a paper towel to open my trash can because I don't know who threw something in my trash can overnight. I don't know who spit while walking down the sidewalk and, and left a germ trail. So we, we got to be careful. But I'm still answering the question, Kimberly. Um, it ain't no time soon, beloved. It ain't no time soon. And let's understand, they, they, they don't want to create a panic. Even in this environment, they don't want to create a panic. They don't want to scare people. They don't want people alarmed. They don't want people worked up. We just saw how that turned out on on the run on toilet paper. We just saw how that turned out. So they're not going to say, "Listen, y'all, this is woo, this is scary, scary major." They they're not going to say that. Doctor Fauci ain't going to say that. A politician is not program to even use that kind of language. They're going to give you the soft walk up to it. They're going to give you as much information so you can't say, well, we weren't informed. They're not going to ring the, the alarmist bells necessarily. Okay, we, we learned a hard lesson with uh, 9-11 and that whole color scheme thing, you know, and, and we're on high alert today, but we're on minimal alert the next day, you know, and then, and then there will be a terrorist attack somewhere, you know, so they don't want to alarm people. They don't want people to be worked up. But the reality is this is major. I keep begging y'all, pay attention to BBC. Pay attention to uh, all Africa. Look at some news sources outside of America. Look at some news sources away from CNN, NBC, ABC, Fox News, since that's all so controversial and fake news and, and you know, they want you to be confused about what's true or not true coming from those, those mediums. So I beg you all, read the news, go online, go on YouTube, look at news from other places in the world. What is Nigeria doing? What is Ghana doing? What is Egypt doing, you know, as it relates to this, um, this virus? Look at Kenya. Kenya is a good example for America and particularly black America. Look at Kenya. 
and the Kenyan news. And they're sort of modern and up-to-date in that Kenyan news is easy to access, uh, as opposed to some countries like Sudan. You know, uh, North Africa, it's hard to get real news out of North Africa. So look at what's happening in Kenya, if you want to understand what's happening here. Look at what's happening in Italy, who we all know blew up in the media before it blew up here, and, and they're now still responding after here. Look at what they're doing. And by all means, look at China, people. I know we're getting propaganda out of China, but, but, but even in the propaganda, there's some truth there. Pay attention to what's happening in China. This ain't over. This, this ain't over, Kimberly. This ain't over. I predict that your children's school is already over for the year. Not just friends.